Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, this is Richie Kotzen. You're listening to me with Jay Scott on the Hook Rock podcast. And very much looking forward to the release of the new record, Smith Kotzen. Check it out right here. Jay Scott on the Hook Rock Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Once again, it is another episode of the Hook Rocks podcast, the ultimate rock community podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well out there. Hope you're staying safe, staying healthy. Hope you're staying warm. I've been looking at the news, and it is just like shit weather from coast to coast. It is absolutely amazing. We're supposed to get 8 to 10 inches, 8 to 12 inches tonight. Right now, it's about minus 4. My dog loves it. I don't. And if you live in the South, if you're listening and you live south of the Mississippi, you should not leave your house if your town does not own a salt truck. Do not leave your house because you're putting your life in danger. You've never driven in this weather before. I understand that it's like pretty crazy and you've never experienced it, but just stay home and look outside your window and enjoy it. If you've never driven in this kind of weather, it really is dangerous if you're not used to it. So I'm seeing all these 
news clips of like trucks sliding off the road and cars doing this and going here and going that way, just stay home. Just do yourself a favor. It'll be over in a day or two and it'll be back to normal. So we're getting back to normal here. Well, I don't know how normal you could be on this podcast, but we'd like to welcome in a guest that I've been a favorite of. I've been favorite of the Cobras and Fire podcast for a while. Um, just a great way about them, the way they present their topics and the way they discuss things. <laughs> I'd like to welcome in Baco. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm well. Uh, you know, you're in the Chicago area, is that right? Yeah, just outside Chicago. Okay. So I'm St. Paul. We're going to miss all the snow, but it's been brutally cold. I actually looked up the temperature in Canada today, and they're like 40 degrees warmer than us. So fuck that. Yeah, uh, That sucks. It is crazy, man. Like this winter, <laughs> this winter was fine all through December and most of January. It was like, oh, this yeah. we're gonna get by with a with a pretty decent winter, and then all of a sudden, last week of January into now has just been a complete shitstorm. It's just been cold. It's been snowing, and like, oh, I'm just tired of. It. I'm over it. I'm over it. But. Like I don't have to leave my house to uh, join your show. By the way, Jay, thanks for having me. Uh, and Andy, nice, nice to meet you. I guess in a certain ways. So, uh, first time on the hook. Uh, I've been a fan of your show too, as well. I, uh, although I, I wanted to ask you one thing. I don't know how important this is, but I could not tell from your uh, comments in the Damon Johnson interview. Um, are you a Kiss fan or are you not? I am a Kiss fan. I grew up a Kiss fan. Now. Let me just preface that. So I I grew up, my the first album I ever bought was Kiss Lick It Up. And so I'm an, a fan of the era of Creatures, Lick It Up, Animalize, Asylum. Um, I loved Crazy Nights when I was a kid. I, I, I don't think it holds up very well. Um, Hot in the Shade, I don't think holds up very well. I love Revenge. I love the Kiss, you know, from the 70s and everything. I've learned to appreciate some of the late 70s stuff. Um... That being said, I haven't seen them live since the Psycho Circus tour, and I haven't bought any of their new music since Psycho Circus. So that was a good move. Yeah. So I mean, so am I a, a fan of Kiss? Yes. Am I a fan of what they're doing now? Not really. It was just the way you kind of went through that. Uh, you could have been somebody trying to kind of like placate your guest who is clearly a Kiss fan without like getting too much into your hatred or you just could have been like, yeah, I like Kiss too, which is kind of how, you know, I wasn't sure. So I wanted to, I think the listeners really needed that cleared up is all I'm getting at. Uh, <laughs> I, no, I, I, lo I mean, I had, gosh, I still have the Kiss comic books. Someone should do a Kiss podcast, by the way. Yeah, so now we're doing a Kiss podcast. So sorry, Tom and Zeus. I, 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 I you know, Baco sucked me into this conversation, but I have the uh, Kiss comic books. I've got a lot of the, the first pressings on vinyl. Um, what else? I've got a lot of old posters and old collectible stuff, but yeah, I think. You know, they probably are late to the party right now. I think they are probably, you know, five, six years, maybe ten years. They probably should have stopped. But, you know, I mean, to each their own. I mean, they're they're entitled to yeah. do whatever they want to do. They've earned that. Um, I don't think anybody should tell them to stop if they don't want to. Um, and if the fans still want to go see them, they still want to go see them, you know? Yeah, fair enough. So, I got a question for you. Your name being... What? Jason 
ba- your last name is 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 Bakken. Have you ever uh, Bakken is the Bakken. proper well Bakken. So you know, have you ever gone you know rocking with Bakken? Have you ever have you ever decided? Have you ever interviewed Don Dakin? And if you did, was it confusing? Did you guys kind of just look at each other, stare at each other in, in the eyes, and just say, "I don't know what to think of your name," and I don't know what to think of yours? So. What was that like? Well, that? I would absolutely, I would absolutely interview Don if I had the opportunity. I haven't yet, um, but now that might be the one time that I'm going to insist on going by Bakken instead of Bako, uh, just to have that little wordplay fun there. Because um, uh, to me, that that that's typically more fun than hearing what he has to say anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it could be good. Yeah, no, I have I ever heard or uttered the phrase "rocking with Bakken"? Yes, uh, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Not, not, not a common thing that I throw out there, but uh, uh, <laughs> thanks for talking about it. So you go, so you do like rocking with Bakken with Dokken. That's how you present oh. the show. That's how you present the show if you ever interview him. The show title, yeah. All right. Totally. And you can make T-shirts. How about, how about Dokken rocking with Bakken? Either or, man. The, 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 the amount of merchandise that you could sell as a result of that show, is the possibilities are endless. <laughs> totally, dude. I mean, seriously. I remember the go-to item would be like uh, some kind of wig or uh, maybe a coffin. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe you know, backing uh, track. Whatever you, whatever you feel the need to do for that show, I, I'm, I think you should, you'll be okay. I think, but, the, but what should happen after the show? The post marketing is where it's at for you. Oh, all right. Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling your vibe there. Yeah. I mean, talk about raising your podcast to the next level with rocking with Bakken with Dokken. I mean, <laughs> dude. Oh, man. <laughs> well, anyway, let's continue on. <laughs> Our, we always ask the first question, the same first question, every time we have a new guest on the podcast and that's the essence of the podcast just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in every rock fan has a moment whether it's a song an album a band or performance that hooked them on rock and roll what was it for you just what got me into music what, yeah what got you into music what got you in the rock and roll oh i ate by uh, kiss uh kiss alive too my sister got it for christmas and it uh it, it's amazing how the the next, I mean, like the next 18 months of my life, it's weird when I look back at it, that it was only like a year and a half, but it was like Kiss Alive 2. And then um, and she got that right around the time it was released, so late 77. And uh, yeah, so you, all of a sudden, you know, we're buying other records, you know, because they have the whole back catalog and stuff. And the solo albums get dropped. And those were fucking you know, amazing to me as a, a seven-year-old. Kiss Meets the Phantom fucking comes around in October there all of a sudden you know they, 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 you got oh and uh, before that it was double platinum which that packaging was mind-blowing and that was like a holy grail for a certain while and then you know you get into the early part of 79 and, and my first official studio album released by Kiss was Dynasty you know something that was released while I was a fan with the whole band so in a year and a half I just had the, this whole thing that without even knowing it, you know, I'm, I'm eight years old by that point that like my life has literally, the path of my life has been changed because of my sister playing that one record, you know, at, when we got home from a little Christmas shopping. So, 
Yeah, Kiss Alive too. I listened to that before Kiss Alive. I, you know, and it sounds like you're in the same boat with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it was the first. Uh, I mean, that was the first time I heard guitars that sounded like that, and that was the thing that drew me in. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't. know. It was. And the weird thing now is that 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 record is almost unlistenable for me. It's just it's so noisy. I, I prefer Alive way more, but for the longest time, that was the the live record for me. When you say noisy, what do you mean? Oh man, the the crowd is over pumped in that. Um, uh, the the actual uh, EQing of it is a little harsh now. That I'm, I, my, I guess my ears are a little more mature. I guess I, I would put it at like uh, live to me sounds like a a timeless. Like it ages perfectly. Uh, alive two sounds like something they had to rush out for Christmas. I I, I would not have been able to pick pick up on that kind of stuff as as a kid, but. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how much music I've listened to in the years since then, you know, and, I've, and as being a musician and learning how to play an instrument and stuff of that nature, you, you, you kind of, you know, grow, hopefully anyway. Um, but that, that album to me, uh, it just, I mean, side four is still great. I, I love it. But as far as the, the, the three sides of live music, at, such as it is, it, it's just a little abrasive to listen to. I, I just, there's not a, really a track on there. Let's put it this way: There's not a song that's on there on the on the live thing that I prefer over the studio version, and I really can say the opposite about a live. Almost every song on there is better than the studio version. Yeah, I I, I under, totally understand that. When you think about a live, you think of you know the first three studio records, and even when I listen to those first three studio albums now, they never grab me. Like they never. You know the the live versions always pulled me in more, and it's been, I don't know why they couldn't capture the energy on those first three records. Maybe "Dress to Kill" is probably the best out of the three, but sure. when, you, when you hear "Hotter Than Hell," I mean the mix on "Hotter Than Hell" is brutal. I love it. It, it, it it's great, but it's but it's brutal though. I mean compared to like sonically, you know. I get like um. Because to me, I just talked basically bitched about the production of Alive too, so I understand that Alive or that Hotter Than Hell kind of has that um, a, a much different kind of production. But why people react that way? But to me, that record, I mean, the songs are just perfect. I actually love the uh, production. Um, anyway, hold on one second. <laughs> I was getting a phone call there. Um, I. I I, I would love to hear like a remastered kind of remix kind of thing, but uh, I, I do still always want it as it is. Uh, I, it, it almost has this kind of niche quality of being them very early on, you know, it, but I like all the records, especially of, a, of the original lineup. The only albums I really don't like are the last two. And you're talking like about Sonic Boom and what was the other one? Monster? Monster. Yes. Yeah. Those are the only two that like, I literally don't have any, affinity for of of any kind um uh, asylum is pretty close but there's still like there's enough on there that that pulls me in. i thought that sonically when you think about asylum especially it sounds kind of almost muffled when yeah it sounds very flat to me yes yes and and i think it doesn't really do a lot of those songs justice that like if you compare that to like crazy nights where it sounds really clean and it sounds, you know, sonically like almost too perfect, like a little too sheen. But yeah, it's 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 definitely a better sounding record for sure. Yeah, and you hear Asylum and you're like, oh, you know, like 
the drums don't sound good. It's it just sounds like sluggish. I, I, I maybe that's the right word um, that that I would use to describe that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you know, Kiss was was huge. You know, I remember all the toys. I remember the the Halloween masks and the phonograph <laughs> and all that stuff. And I was always aware of Kiss before I heard them. I still remember sitting in the grocery cart at the grocery store and seeing People magazine when they introduced Eric Carr. Um, as the fox, I still remember the cover of that magazine and just be like, "Who are these people? Why, why do they look like that?" And I didn't understand the concept of makeup then and whatnot. But um, yeah, and then of course, Kiss meets the Fam of the Park. That was a really big thing too when I was a kid. Um, yeah, and then of course, saving my paper route money and going to Big Apple Records in Mount Prospect, Illinois, to buy Kiss Lick It Up, and just being just in awe of. The cover and the name Vinnie Vincent and the songs on there it was just it was just totally cool. Never really vibed on the cover on that, although I think it's fine. But I'll tell you this: that's a top five Kiss record. You know, I know people like to say "Creatures of the Night" is one of their best, and I agree with that. But there are times where I do believe "Kiss Lick It Up" is better than "Creatures." I absolutely do. I mean, that's not a shot at creatures. Like I said, I pretty much like most of their catalog for, for very different reasons a lot of times. That's one of the things I like about them is that they, they kind of changed quite a bit over the years. But uh, to me, I mean, I think I probably have Lick It Up third off the top of my head most times. It's like Hotter Than Hell, Rock and Roll Over, and Lick It Up. One of those, like, that, those three to me are, are giving a nice broad view of them. But I'm just... It's not so much about that. It's like those are 10 fucking bangers on that record. I mean, there really isn't a bad song on there. I mean, honestly, to me, the Fits Like a Glove and uh, Young and Wasted are probably the two that, that I, I like the least. Probably mainly because they played them live a lot for a while there. But still, they're killer. And, and I just, that, that record, I think, should be revered a little higher among uh, uh, the Kiss core but anyway yeah no i agree i mean even songs like on the eighth day and yeah man dance all over your your face face. and million to one those are great tracks. oh it should have been a single man yes i i 100 agree absolutely if there is a band that kind of defines what our next topic is it is kiss and hey good point and what i mean by that is when we our topic is does rock and roll need to be mainstream it's a common argument that rock fans have that they want to see rock and roll be more relevant they want to see rock and roll you know play the super bowl they want to see better nominations in the rock and roll hall of fame they want the rock and roll category to be you know shown on television when they're doing the grammys but does it really need that um do we really need that sort of approval from mainstream media from mainstream press whatever you want to say from from other artists that are mainstream and i always feel that we don't we don't need mainstream to like rock for rock music to be popular and if you look at the band kiss and you look at their popularity and you look at what was sacrificed with their popularity there is something to be learned there's lessons to be learned from from them and you know, obviously they took off with Kiss Alive. And you think about Destroyer, Love Gun, and those records in between Kiss and Kiss Alive 2. 
then, of course, you had all the toys and you had the mainstream popularity. The Kiss was mainstream. Uh, every kid knew about Kiss. Everybody had the Kiss t-shirts when they were teenagers and grade school, whatever. And they had a good, what, four, five-year run, I want to say. Okay. And then they tried to keep in front of it, right? They tried to maintain that mainstream likability with Dynasty, with Unmasked. You know, Dynasty is always considered the disco kiss record. Unmasked is always considered the pop record. I like both of those records. I've learned to appreciate them more as I've gotten older. But when you look at what they were trying to do after Kiss Alive 2, when things really kind of started to go south with Peter and Ace, and of course with the solo albums and everything, they became a band that tried to keep in front and keep a part of mainstream rather than be what they were prior to that in kind of leading the charge. They kind of fell back. And when I look at people talk about rock music not being mainstream, I look at Kiss. Like, they were cool when they were just, like, at the below the surface of mainstream likability. And once they crossed that medium into mainstream, the quality of music then suffered. What do you think? Um... I think it's a great analogy, but I also, when I first got into Kiss, you know, I was very young, so I didn't really understand, um, you know, what it meant to be on covers of magazines and that, it, that, that that is on its own merit, a sign of popularity and acceptance. You know what I mean? To me, it was more about the small world that I lived in, which was a farm community. And I was one of three people I knew in my entire school. And I went through a K through 12 school that liked Kiss. So to me, they were very unpopular. So in, in my very per- small perspective, you know, um, my, the, the, the narrow scope I had, they were my favorite band, even still, was never that popular. And then when they kind of got popular, that that was really kind of kicked off with Lick It Up. They still weren't as popular as everybody else. You know I mean? They, they never really got that, you know, everybody talked about all the other bands more than they talked about them. Uh, as well as they did in the eighties, you know, I'm just saying there was always that second tier thing. And then, so I, I, I think musically one, one thing I do give them a little bit of credit for when they kind of chase genres, like, I mean, I, I think I was made for loving you is probably one of the top 20 remembered disco songs of all time. The fact that they, they managed to pull that off is, is, is I don't know, that's some kind of accomplishment. I think Unmasked is, is a amazing record from beginning to end that again probably in my top five definitely top 10 but you know by the time you get to the top 10 you're halfway through their their shit but i think that's a great record you know i mean the songs are actually very well written for that one um and you know if you want to just talk a little quick on the elder i everybody blames the elder for kiss's downfall i blame dynasty yeah it, it was basically by the time the elder came out everybody that was a kiss fan that mattered had checked out because of dynasty and then the pop sound of unmatched it wasn't like people like, – because nobody bought The Elder. They just didn't even know it came out. So, anyway. But to your point, yeah, I, I think overall it's a, it's a perfect example of, of – because I do agree with you. I don't think it matters. I MTV always sucked. Radio always sucked. Uh, it, it, the, the, the mainstream shit was never really representative of the hard rock and metal and those kind of bands to begin with. And – 
bands like Iron Maiden basically, you know, were selling millions of records without a single, uh, I don't know, you know, song on the radio, that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, I saw probably a hundred Iron Maiden t-shirts before I ever heard a song. It's, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's just never to me been part of it. So why we get so upset and flat out, I do not want any of these bands part of the Super Bowl. That is a freaking shit show to begin with. The one time Kiss did it, it was the pregame thing. That was just embarrassing. So I don't understand why anybody like would ever complain about like watching someone they hate lip sync going, man, I'm really into music. I really love hard rock. I want to see Metallica lip sync at the Super Bowl. That's who needs to lip sync. It's just a shitty way to present a product to people who really don't care anyway. So I just, uh, I, I, I check out when it comes to that kind of stuff. And the Grammys, uh, I've been on this for about the beginning of our podcast. They should just step away. Just stop. Don't even acknowledge rock, hard rock, or metal. Just You, you fuck it up every goddamn time. And I'm kind of convinced now you do it on purpose. So, Well, that's really the thing too, right? I mean, when we were growing up, until they finally had the heavy metal hard rock category, they did ignore rock music. And rock music was fine, right? It didn't it wasn't bothered by it. It wasn't, you know, I mean when you think of that the music in the early eighties, I've always categorized eighties rock in three categories. You had the rawness in the first few years, you know, the jeans and t-shirt guys playing, you know, without the makeup. And it was just, it was raw. It was a lot of energy. And then you kind of had that transition year, you know, those few transition years where they were kind of coming from that rawness into more of a glam type of look. And then when it finally did hit mainstream, right? All those bands that did hit the mainstream popularity, did not have a shelf life. And a lot of those albums that were released during that period did not hold up very well. It was great when it was around. I mean, everybody had the albums. We all loved it. But now when you listen to it, it's like, eh, it's, it's okay, you know? But, and, and again, that goes to my point, is if we really do want rock music to be mainstream, we as rock fans are going to be sacrificing a lot. I like it. Yeah, when, you know, I, I, I like it when rock music is right under the surface because a, it really maintains the creativity of the artist. They're not getting bossed around. They're not trying to, to chase a trend. You know, a lot of a lot of the bands in those eighties, you know, videos, like when you, a band I totally think of when I think of when people label them hair bands is Cinderella. Cinderella. If you just listen to the music, you would never think that they would be called a hair band. Okay, but when everybody else is dressing up with their hair tees and the makeup and the leather record companies, management companies are like, well, you got to do what this band does or else you're not going to get an MTV and you're not going to sell millions of records. So, again, they had to sacrifice a little bit of their integrity to get to stay in the mainstream. And looking back, being older now, I would rather have my music be liked by rock fans and not music consumers who just jump from one genre to another with whatever's mainstream. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The, the, the one thing that's changed a lot, especially in the last five to 10 years is, is um, the lack of importance uh, a lot of users put into to music. You know, uh, streaming and having everything available to you is kind of just minimized 
how I don't know the, the I don't know the eff, the effort it takes I guess makes it like less important. Like I'll just move on to this and that and that. You know, um, to a certain extent that that attitude has kind of always existed, but it seems like there really isn't anybody in any genre making a damn bit of difference that is you know kind of current and new. And and that that to me is a bigger problem. Like what. what who's going to replace Metallica as the headliner at festivals in 20 years? I mean, or 10 years probably, but you get my drift. Yeah. I mean, there, there really, there are a lot of fucking great rock bands out there, but they're they're really not getting the opportunity that they get other than from old guys. And and they, 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 it's great that, that, that I have this music that I like by some of these up and coming younger bands, but as much as they appreciate, you know, me talking about them or all that stuff, it's really the the, the people that are in high school in their early twenties that that are going to make them a sustainable act for the next decade or so. And it just seems like that generation, just in general, is kind of checked out overall on all genres of music. So when when old man Gene Simmons wants you to get off his lawn because rock is dead, well. Everything he says, as, as correct as it is, applies to country, applies to hip-hop. I mean, there aren't any big-time... Like, I don't think Cardi B is going to be as relevant as she is now in 20 years. Probably not five years. Justin Bieber. Remember, like, when he was, like, kind of big? Yeah. That guy never had... Nobody knows a single song by that guy, but they know his name. And that's kind of like... That's the trend we're going to now. I mean, Beyonce, well... What's her, you know, like legacy going to be? You know, I mean, I just, I don't know. I also think, too, that when you look at the natural progression of things, right? You mentioned Metallica. Who's going to fill the void of Metallica? One of the bands that you mentioned when you were growing up, Iron Maiden. If you would have told me in 1981 and 82 when I was six, seven years old that Iron Maiden would be selling out arenas in 2020, I'd say you're crazy, yeah. right? But they if you, their audience. If you would have told me that, if you would have told me that when they were selling out small, much smaller event, having a hard time selling out much smaller places just ten years prior, I would have been like, "You're crazy." Yeah, I remember seeing them at the Aragon Ballroom, which is probably like, gosh, there you go. Yeah, it's like an eight thousand place, you know, eight thousand people, and it was right when. Their singer that replaced Bruce Dickinson, what was his name? Blaz Bailey. Or oh, okay. Blaze yeah, Bailey. Yeah. I think it was Blaze Bailey. I think yeah, the title. There it is. Yeah. Um, so they released the second album, and then the the ticket sales and the album sales were, were not good. And I think the record label stepped in and said, You got to bring Bruce back. I don't know if that happened. I'm just speculating, but it, it makes sense. Could be. And we already had tickets. Me and my friends already had tickets to see Maiden at Aragon Ballroom in this small, you know, theater. And it was it was a great show. And then 10 years later, I mean, they're selling out 20,000-seat arenas. Yeah. So they grew their eyes. They're probably bigger now than they were when Number of the Beast was out and Peace of Mind was out, right? So – it was a natural. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, just in terms of global and international popularity, I mean, you have to say that they're bigger now. But it was a natural progression, right? I mean, it wasn't all of a sudden they were they haven't been huge like that their whole right. career. And right. when we talk about filling the void, 
there's a lot of rock bands that go to concerts. And my 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 thing is, my way of thinking is, well, there's gonna they're gonna have to start promoting another band or other bands to fill that <laughs> void, right? Maybe it's Rival Sons, maybe it's you know Ghost, maybe it's th- these other bands that are they're, that are building their popularity slowly. That all of a sudden, like, Greta Van Fleet is another one. I mean, the popularity with them or the Struts that have this market marketability that remind people of the music that they love and hold dear to their heart. I have to think that that's probably where this is going to go eventually. I, I do hope so. I mean, I and I hope there's some bands. Um that are going to be just a little more to my liking that, that his set. But honestly, I really don't care. As long as there's somebody, they're going to bring along other acts with them at, you know, of some degree. Uh, and, and there's always like, you know, like I, I enjoy a couple of things that Royal Blood has been doing recently. Uh, I think Ghost is a good example because they kind of were just like this mid-tier early festival band. And within a couple of years after that, they were doing I don't, not necessarily arenas, but at, at, well, I mean some arenas, but you know, it's still that Oregon ballroom kind of thing, and that's kind of where Greta Van Fleet is right now. I mean, not really the the band I want to go see, but that that doesn't mean that they can't make an impact. Yeah, I just think that we, or rock fans in general, focus too much on things that don't really matter. They focus on the Super Bowl, which, like you said, it's more or less a nostalgia event for yeah. the, the women who are at the Super Bowl party with their husbands or boyfriends who don't really care about football, who are basically talking amongst their friends during the game while the guys are yeah. watching. And then the halftime show comes on, and they want to see the performance. They want to see the outfits. They want to see all that. It's really not for you know, rock fans. It's really not meant for that. And I know they've had the who and they've had the stones and whoever else they've had, you know, during the, during these times. But for the most part, it's always been the most popular pop act. It's been Michael Jackson. It's been Beyonce. It's been, you know, Jennifer Lopez and and whoever. So I don't really get offended when a rock band, you know, like ACDC or whoever doesn't get picked to perform to me it doesn't really matter i don't really put a lot of a a lot of opinion in it i don't really have one on it and then when we talk about the rock and roll hall of fame the rock and roll hall of fame has been fucked up since its inception and (laughs) you know and and every year rock fans bitch about it and after a week everybody stops bitching about it and then the following year they do the same thing and everybody bitches about it again who cares? I mean, it, it's an entity that has to make money. They have to sell tickets. Yeah, it's called that'd be, that'd be the one that I would like to see some correction on. That's pretty much it. And and I don't mind the um the broad based uh I don't know they, they umbrella a lot of things when they that they call rock and roll as far as being eligible in there. I just don't like the snobbish attitude towards. The, the genre that probably has the the most committed fan base. Um, I mean, it, it's just shown for the last 40, 50 years that hard rock and metal fans, they are definitely more committed and connected to the music than any other fan base. That doesn't mean they're the best and they all deserve to be freaking put in the Hall of Fame, but that does mean something. And the fact that like they, you literally have people in there going, 
well, do we need another thrash band? We already got one. Do we need, we already got Alice Cooper. Do we need to put in Kiss? I just, that mentality is like, well, you already got Elton John. Why do you need Billy Joel? Mm-hmm. I mean, Tita Turner is already in there with Ike, and you nominated her again this year. Uh, Bruce Springsteen's band is in there by themselves. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you don't, you can have fucking Motley Crue and Twisted Sister in there if you wanted to. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I, I, those are just two I pulled out of my ass, but. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be just Nirvana. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and Pearl Jam can all go into. I think Pearl Jam's in there as well. But well, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, it's it's just it is music elitists that are picking and choosing. I mean, if it were up to them, they would just have Bruce Springsteen and REM in the Rock and Hall of Fame and shit on everybody <laughs> else. You know, because those are the bands that said something. Those are the bands that mean something. Well, not everybody thinks that. And like you said, rock fans are fans, whereas a lot of people that enjoy the music of other genres are music consumers, right? There is no more dedicated fan than a rock and metal fan. Rock you mean and- you, you use it like a napkin? If, if, if that's what you mean, yes, I'll agree with that. that as far as like uh, purchasing, I'm, I will disagree with that. What do you mean? Well, like um, someone like... Uh, Oh, I don't know. Adele. She'll have a giant album and a giant tour. And by the way, Adele could probably still do and do great. But the people who got into that aren't going to get into everything Adele. They're not going to delve deep into all the aspects of her. I'm, I'm speaking generally, yes. you know, as a blanket term. Um, there, I'm sure there are people who do what exactly what I'm saying nobody does. But it does a very small percentage is my point. Or it could be anything, you know what I mean? Any of these these artists that probably do probably more fit the Super Bowl format and the Grammys, that kind of stuff. These are momentary enjoyments for, for most the people that really represent their biggest success. You can kind of microcosm into that, and then they're kind of just forgotten and thrown away like a napkin. Um, I don't see them as, as consumers in the sense of like they, they hang in there and, and stick with it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it, it, you just dispose of it when you're done with it is, is, is all I was getting at there. There's just different ways to determine consumer. So. Well, I determine a consumer is someone that just kind of jumps from what's most popular, what the most popular artists are, what the most popular songs. And there, you know, I agree with that. there's no really loyalty to any, one band you know they're the types of people that you know clap and cheer and scream whenever they hear the most popular song and then you play something that's not (laughs) from the same album by the same artist that's a like a deeper cut and they have no clue it's the same artist or or they have no clue i don't like this song you know because they haven't heard it on the radio they determine what's good by what's on the radio or what they hear in terms of popularity no no the the same argument argument could be made going the opposite way with hard rock and metal fans like you use the term loyalty sometimes they can be a little too loyal True. and too accepting you know what i mean uh but uh, generally speaking they they their voices are heard and i don't know i just at least from the uh, from the chambers <laughs> yeah yeah i just you know i think when we talk about wanting more acceptance by rock and or for rock and roll I think a lot of people forget what the essence of rock and roll is. And that is, yeah, it's not about acceptance. It's about 
being against the grain. It's about counterculture. It's about the middle finger. It's not about ma- mainstream. It's not about how popularity. It's about rock music. It's about you know the 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 stain that it leaves you know on the on the minds of your parents and you know your aunts and uncles. They don't want you to listen to it. They they forbid it out you know from the house. That's what it's all about. And I think when we get too wrapped up into wanting acceptance, wanting vindication for rock music, I think we're losing sight of what it's all about. Agreed. And if you want to get a little more psychological with it, I think we're talking about people that wanted to be invited to the party. They never were. And there's almost like as they otherwise, I just, why are you still worried about it when you're our age? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I literally don't care about any of this crap for the most part. I mean, I have opinions on it, but I mean, if Metallica played the Super Bowl lip sync, I would say that's stupid. They should have done it, but that's really about as much I would really care. But there's so many people. I mean, that, that the people that voice these opinions, like here's a list of five bands that should be playing the Super Bowl instead of the weekend. You know what I mean? We're talking about people that, you know, I mean, uh, without being a dick, we're, they are, they were left out. They, they wanted to be included and they weren't. And now they want their bands to be included in some kind of way to validate them. Again, I'm not saying I'm right. That's my 95 cent psychiatry for you. Well, I, I, <laughs> I will send the check in the mail, but I do think, <laughs> I do think. Hey, by the way, talking about myself, I, I can smell my own. But. <laughs> no, but there is some validity to that. You know, a lot of, rock fans, heavy metal fans were not accepted by the mainstream popularity at their school. Right. And, you know, it is about acceptance. It is about finding that and getting, you know, the vindication for the band or the validation, um, which is probably a better word to use in this, in this subject. But yeah, there is something to that. I do believe that. But like you said, you know, at the age I'm 46 years old, I don't, whoever plays the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, I don't really care. I, it doesn't. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter, you know, who gets nominated for a Grammy in the Rock Award or the Heavy Metal Award. It doesn't matter to me, you know. It used to matter about the Hall of Fame. Now I've just given up. I don't give a shit anymore. I'm like, yeah, Whatever, you know. But it's all about what I like and what I'm listening to and what I'm being exposed to and just being a rock fan, going to live shows when we could. That that's all that matters to me. Um, I've never. I, I remember when I was younger, I wanted rock music to be more popular. I remember being one of those kids that would say, oh, I can't believe this band's not getting nominated for a Grammy. This shit sucks. I can't believe Cindy Lauper's getting nominated, but Motley Crue's not. <laughs> well, now it all kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> like when, <laughs> Now when you're 46 and you look back and you're like, well, I kind of get it. You know, like Motley Crue performing in prime time on a Sunday night at the Grammys would probably scare their advertisers and half of the audience or probably 80% of the audience. So I get it. But at the same time, you know, I just think that we need to concern ourselves with new rock music that's coming up because I think there's a lot of talented bands and artists that are out there and work on supporting them and work on just finding, helping them find an audience by posting stuff or talking about it with your friends. And who cares, right? Who cares if it's accepted by, you know, music consumers and the mainstream, you know, that, that basically you're here one day and you're gone the next. 
Yeah, I honestly get more irritated that like the news talks about things like who's playing the Super Bowl. Like, why are it's, it's literally freaking September and you're you're speculating? They're like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, uh, and then um, or things like the Grammys calling themselves the music's most important night or the music's biggest night or whatever. And I'm like, you give out 90 awards and televise 10 of them. You don't even care about music. Right. I, it's like, you know, those are the things that actually, as an old man goes, get off me. I quit pissing me off. I really could give two shits. You know, if, if they acknowledge, I, like I said, I would actually prefer like, don't give Megadeth an award because you're probably going to play Metallica when they walk up to the stage which is what they did. I mean, and those kind of things just happen over and over again. Uh, Hetfield's microphone turned off because these, they're playing with Lady Gaga. I don't, Lady Gaga liking Kiss or pretending to and performing with Metallica doesn't make our music better. It right. makes it worse. Right. A Kardashian wearing a, a, t- a Slayer t-shirt is, is abhorrent to me. I don't want them at my party. I want them to go be their vapid, selfless, boring pieces of shit away from me. And that, that to me is the whole point of what we're talking about. Is that like, I don't want the things that mean this much to me to be diluted, bastardized and made commercially viable at the expense of any, any credibility or, or, or love for the music that I have. Well, it's like when people were talking about Miley Cyrus in her rock album, right? I just, oh, all I heard was we did a whole segment on that. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna bring in more rock fans. We need all the no, help we can get. No, it's not. May, you know, a very, very, very small percentage. Like not, not even. It literally big, has never worked. Yes, it's never worked. And like, if anything, it's like when sports fans say we need to lose on purpose, that way we get a good draft pick. <laughs> it's like. The, the Timberwolves of the Minnesota basketball team has been doing that for 20 years and we still suck. Okay? That isn't... You don't trade this guy while he's still good. That way you get something for him. That's not how you get better. Okay? Music matters. It, it, at least it should if you care that much. But, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's it. Maybe we should be assholes about it, uh, Jay. We should just say, you guys just don't care as much as I do. <laughs> 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 no, I, I just think like whenever that, that, that talk happens with Miley Cyrus and there was another artist a few years ago, it's like, no, it doesn't bring more fans to rock music. It brings more consumers that dilute rock music. It, like you said, it bastardizes it. It freaking just completely tries to redefine it. And ultimately, all it does is it gives Miley Cyrus an opportunity to win a rock award Grammy that helps her album sales. Yeah. She basically uses the genre to get more album sales. Bingo. And that's all it is. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with authenticity. And if you're a real rock fan, you don't want that shit because it isn't authentic. Rock and roll is about authenticity. It's about guys that live and breathe it. The fans live and breathe it. And you want some chick who's to get on and all of a sudden start singing rock songs and we're all supposed to go, oh, She's fantastic. I, she's going to bring so many fans to the genre. No, if no, it's not going to do that. It's not, and it won't. What should be celebrated is what's happening in rock music, right? You've got the new ACDC yeah. album that came out in November. That should be celebrated, and it was. It was very well received. 
the yeah. movie The Dirt by Motley Crue. Obviously, the momentum really got stalled because of the pandemic with their tour with Def Leppard. But that was another moment that that was connecting with young music fans. And it's proven with the numbers of their merchandise. I've mentioned this several times on my podcast. Prior to The Dirt, Motley Crue's merchandise was between the demographic of 30 and over, 30 and older. After The Dirt, it was between 18 and 25 was the majority of their merchandise that people were buying. Okay, So the proof is in the numbers. We need more stuff like that. And yes, they're a band that was relevant 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever, but that helps bring younger fans to rock music. That is proven to do that. But don't we, we need somebody to connect with them that isn't old. You're right. You're right. Okay. The, the, yeah. The, the legacy acts have been there since we've been kids. You know, I mean, Led Zeppelin broke up, you know, three years before I really got into anything other than Kiss. And I still saw their shit everywhere. And you still do. And, and, but there was other stuff happening. And we're talking about bands that are like even Motley Crue, Poison, that are still kind of Bon Jovi, they're still doing it. You know what I mean? Uh, Kiss is still going on. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But there isn't, we do need something that, you know, isn't some, I don't know, Hannah Montana per type deal deciding they want to be rock. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and we need it to not be because Queen did a, a, a docudrama that, that was popular. We need it to be because somebody new, like Grunge did, or even the new metal movement after that, um, we need something like that. You know I mean, like, you know, the Guitar Heroes, I mean, the, we haven't had one of those since Jerry Cantrell. The, that kind of stuff is really the reason, if you want to talk rock music specifically, but when you get to where music is now, Live, like, entertainment, I still think rock does fine, but all genres are basically just watered-down niches. The only thing about rock is that, like, we don't have anybody, like, the age of someone like Cardi B, who I mentioned. We just don't have anybody on a pedestal that high that that, that is, you know, you know that, that, I don't know, popular, for lack of a better term. It just, and, and that's probably the thing that, that I think is a little bit worrisome. Well, I think it does. What worries me is, let's take Greta Van Fleet as an example. I, I have no problem okay. with Greta Van Fleet. I like Greta Van Fleet. My son, my 16-year-old son, loves them, right? And okay. I'm not a hater. I just, not my real. That's it, fine. I yeah. do like some of the songs. But my point is, is, you know, these guys come on the scene and they blow up, right? And they're, you know, the popularity is growing and it's still growing. And prior to that, all you heard from rock fans was, oh, we need blues-based rock. We need, you know, rock bands like they were back in the day. And now we get it. And now all of a sudden rock fans are not all of a sudden, but then rock fans just want to tear them down. Oh, they're like Led Zeppelin. Oh, they suck. They sound like this. Oh, I can't. So what, what do we want, right? We want this, but when it happens, we want to tear it down. I don't understand that. Well, I, don't, I, don't I mean, that. That, that's kind of the nature of almost anything to a certain extent. And I do think social media exasperates that because we're, we're talking about a small chunk of people who's it's it's the the loud minority or whatever you want to call it the vocal minority. Um, because I I agree. I, I thought they they went from being like, isn't this kind of cool? To like they're too big. They sound like it's like okay. These guys are still not old enough to drink. Let's 
let's let them grow as artists. Uh, I'll tell you this, the, the two songs I've heard from the upcoming record show that they are possibly going in a path that kind of creates a little bit of an itch for themselves. Mm-hmm. And their popularity can help rock much more than someone like Miley Cyrus ever could. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's celebrating rock music. And that's, that's my point is we need moments like that. We need bands that are celebrated. I think there's a whole bunch of great new bands that are on the scene. And I think when one finally punches through, I think it's just going to be, you know, a, a, a cavalry of bands that are just going to start rising up in popularity. And you have to remember too, popularity goes in cycles, right? Yeah. I mean, we always heard that from our parents when we grew up. Oh, this is back in. This used to be in when I was a kid. Now it's back in now. That's going to happen, right? That's going to happen with rock music. People are going to get tired of the auto-tune, overproduced pop music or the, you know, the the hip-hop genre that has basically become a parody of itself in most cases. You know, country country fans are always going to be country fans no matter what. But I just think that it's going to happen again. It's going to organically happen again with, with, with new bands that people are going to be able to enjoy. So I don't really, I don't see like this where, I, I used to think this, but I don't believe it anymore where rock has now an expiration date. I don't believe that. I think it's always going to go on, and I think there's going to be peaks and valleys just like anything else. I mean, I have to admit, I hope you're right. I'm not terribly optimistic just because it's been so long since we last had a movement. And typically, the change in the scene, going back to like Elvis, you could almost put it in about a five to eight year period where something else kind of popped up and suddenly that was the thing. And it kind of ended with new metal. And after that, we, we kind of had the, that, that kind of phased into Nickelbacky kind of disturbed Godsmack shit. Um, and there's been nothing since then that has really, I'm, I'm saying as a movement, I'm, I'm not saying as substantive or quality music, I'm saying as something that, that kind of made a difference and, and kind of crossed the line. It's like, Five Finger Death Bunch was probably the last band to kind of sneak under that that closing door of like being able to do arenas or, or smaller, slightly smaller venues, you know, like the Ariane Ballroom kind of stuff, um, or still headline a festival or that kind of thing it, it, of that ilk. So it's been a long time, man. We're talking almost you know twenty years since there's really been anything monumental in rock. Now, if it was cyclical, you'd think there'd be something happening there. And also, I think the um, the, co- the people that are behind all this now care less. They, they care less than they ever have. They've always wanted to package shit and sell it, but more so now than ever, they want to make it a formula and just shove the shit out there. And I think that makes, you know, I mean, for just a bad, I don't know, a bad cup of tea, Jay, a bad cup of tea. Uh, so I, I'm not as optimistic as you, but I'm definitely not a, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, I, I really do hope there's something like that. But to me, it's not going to be because people are upset, like, I hate this auto-tune stuff, that kind of stuff. It's going to be because something connects. Like, Guns N' Roses, w- w- when they hit, they connected with just a giant cross group of people, and that surprised the hell out of me because that album sat around for a year before it did. But when it did, it wasn't because it was this or that or that. It, it, just, it was because it clicked. It was the right band at the right time and the right music. And and the people that were talking about it and absorbing it at these multiple million dollar rates, they weren't doing so because they were tired of Britney Spe- or, uh, 
De- Debbie Gibson, they just liked it. You know what I mean? They, they, it wasn't overthought, is all I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I, I do see that. I do understand that. Um, but I also think when you have a pandemic and you've got a bunch of kids sitting around doing nothing and being pissed because they're not enjoying their life. Every day is like Groundhog Day. It's the same thing. It's boring. I think that in itself is a recipe for success with rock music. If rock music well, can connect point. You know, with, with the kids now that are just, just pissed off at being at home and pissed off at having a year basically taken away from them, rock and roll always thrives when there's a lot of angst and there's a lot of anger. That's a that's probably the best point I've heard that I hadn't heard prior. That is uh, that's solid, man. Way to go, Jay. Well, you could send the box of pistachios, and I'll and I'll give you the address <laughs> after we uh, after we stop. But no, I just so you're sending me ninety five cents, and I'm sending you some pistachios. It's I, it's an even <laughs> trade for me. That's uh, that's from my point of view. But. Uh, <laughs> Not for me, pistachios are fucking wicked pricey. I know, I know. But, no, uh, but no, I just think that it's it's time. I, I think if, you know, everyone is is talking about rock music, and I know I've heard the opinion out there that, you, you know, what's happening now with new music being released is, is not going to matter, or it's not the right time. I disagree 100%. If there's ever a right, a right time to release new rock music, it's right now. Because everyone's in the same boat. No one can tour. It doesn't matter if you're a pop artist, country artist, or a rock artist. You can't get on a stage right now, pretty much in 90% of the country. Okay? And what are kids doing right now? They're e-learning. They're maybe going to school half the time. Some areas are going full-time. But still, a lot of stuff's been taken away. There's a lot of stationary activity where they're just kind of sitting in the room doing nothing. Now is the time to grab the kids. I'm telling you, this is this is the moment. And you have all this new music coming out right now. You've got all I mean yeah. I mean you just think about the last month with all the new albums that were released and what's coming down, you know, the the I always say the pike, but I, I never like that term because I don't know what the hell the pike is. But um <laughs> but you have all this music that's gonna be coming out this whole year. It's going to be just incredible and there's going to be so much music that now is is the, is the ripe time to grab a young audience and uh, I mentioned your interview with uh, Damon Johnson a little bit ago he kind of got into that a little bit talking about like he's glad he had that album basically in the can because of the last year he's not sure he'd be able to write something like that that because he you know kind of what you're saying you know it, it just and maybe that just pissed off artist is out there waiting to, to break free because you know Damon's basically our age you know and he's been doing it forever he's writing he's selling music to us for the most part not 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 to the the kids in high school right now but maybe that artist is there I don't know well I mean I just look at my son and his friends you know my son's jamming on his guitar two three hours a day you know he's he's snapchatting with his friends when a new album is released or a new EP is right. released. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, that's great stuff. That stuff I didn't think was going to happen two years ago. But now it is. And I just think that when you look at the Greta Van Fleets and you look at the Struts and you look at people like Tyler Bryant and the Black Moods and South of Eden and Joyous Wolf and Dirty Honey, all these bands are just ready to pop. They're just ready to pop. Glorious Sons. 
Yeah, Glorious Sons. I mean, Rival Sons. I mean, they've been around for 10 years, but they're finally starting to get some recognition. I think the new Pretty Reckless album is absolutely fantastic. There's a lot of other great is albums. Is it? I oh. haven't heard it yet. I oh. was looking forward to getting that. Man, I tell you, the subject of the album is grief. And the the songs connect with one another. And basically, it's the stages of grief. And when it first happens, and working your way through it, and facing what you have to get through and coming out on the other side. It's a beautifully done record. It's an absolute masterpiece. Well, a little tangent here, if it's okay. Um, one of the things that I think pop or rock or however you want to put it, but it, it covers both that has been missing has been identifiable female voices. Because if you look back at the eighties, uh, you, you mentioned Cindy Lauper or Madonna you know, or even, even fucking Debbie Gibson, they, they didn't sound or like each other. You know what I mean? But like ever since American Idol has launched every female voice that matters, it seems like you could misinterpret as Kelly Clarkson or pink, or, you know, it's like this over singing, just super talented dynamic range, but doesn't really grab you and go, that's fucking Stevie Nicks. And the uh, what Taylor from uh, Pretty Reckless has that voice. I think so too. Plus, she's got the look, right? I mean, it helps when I've seen I've seen that band a few times. They're 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 uh, they're good good acts to see live. That's for sure. I do want to check them out. Absolutely. I mean, I just was really impressed with the album. I I, I got the album and I was like, all right, let me, let me check this out. Did, did you like the last one? Because that one was a little disappointing for me. Um, I have to admit, I never, I mean, I, I know of pretty, the Pretty Reckless, and I have listened to some of their songs. But, oh, okay. But I never was really, I, I would never call myself a fan up until this album. And, you know, the whole concept of the album, the way it's put together, is just absolutely fantastic. And I just love the way the, the, the album moves, right? It moves you from one emotion to another. It tells not a story, but just it tells the process, and it's really interesting that, the way that, they do. That it. is a kind of current. That is a kind of current band that might actually make a difference and help rock going forward. They could anyway. Yeah, I believe so too. I mean, they've got some guest artists. They've got a couple guys from Soundgarden on the album. They've got Tom Morello, who just seems to be everywhere right now, guest spotting and a yeah. lot of stuff. But I think it's 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 going to be tough to beat this album. Uh, for the rest of the year. I mean, this album I hold in high regard. And and again, I was not a pretty reckless fan prior to me hearing this. I mean, I was a casual listener, basically. I knew a few of their songs, but it wasn't like, oh, I got to get the new Pretty Reckless. I, I got the album from their management company, you know, like about a week before, and I listened yeah. to it, and I was like, wow, this is really, this is really fucking good. This is, this is, this is nice. And, um, yeah, so I... That's to me is like the first great album of the new year. The, the two or three records back, I think it's called "Go to Hell or Straight to Hell." That album to me is is just spot on brilliant. I liked their last record, but it just wasn't to that par, which is typically kind of a good sign. Um, but I I uh, I know that came out last Friday. I'm definitely gonna have to be checking it out soon. Yeah, and then the other one that I'm looking forward to is comes out in June. And that's Wolfgang's album. I think that's gonna have you know, a big stamp on rock music and I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, what I've heard so far has just been absolutely tremendous. Yeah. I, 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 
I would agree. Yeah. I mean, it's been pretty good. Well, hey, man, it's been a great conversation. We could go on about this because there's so much yeah. <laughs> that we did not talk about. Um, after you send me the bo- the bag of pistachios, we can probably figure out a time for you to come back. Um, so that would be, uh, uh, no, I'd be happy to, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, uh, we'll try. To, uh, uh, we don't do a ton of guests on uh, on our on our main show, but uh, I'm wrapping up a little grunge thing. I don't know if you're aware of, well, whatever. Never mind. And so I'm not sure I'm doing doing after that, but yeah, you're definitely now a guy that I'll make sure is on the short list of anything I do going forward. Well, I appreciate that, man. And you're welcome on here anytime. Um, great conversation. Love the show. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Well, uh, cobrasandfire.com is your uh, source for basically everything. You can track us down on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you know, you can, you can listen to the episodes there, but if you have any, you, whatever your favorite podcast app is, we should be available. If not, find us in one of those places and let us know so we can kind of rectify that. I know we're not on Spotify right now. We're trying to, uh, to work out something on that end, but I want to get too carried away there. Um, but yeah, also I would like to encourage people to, to follow us on Twitter and we have a group on Facebook that as long as you're like not a jerk and you're not overly sensitive you should join it's called cobras on fire and yeah we uh we, we do all sorts of side conversations with all the listeners and get into stuff there and it's kind of more for the people that kind of listen to you know what we do week to week and i like to comment and post pictures and and you know all that kind of stuff so it, it's just a fun group and you know i'm very proud of how how civil it is you know i i will admit every time i say your name cobras and fire I automatically start hearing Paper and Fire by John Mellencamp. Ooh, have you heard uh, our Cobras and Fire theme that is a parody of that? No, I have not. Yeah, it's only on a, a handful of episodes, but yeah, I, we, uh, well, we, I, I recorded it. I have a little basement recording studio that I also do my podcasting in. And yeah, like uh, very early on, somebody mentioned that. So I'm like, I should actually write some lyrics. And so, yeah, there is like a one little minute piece that we've used to intro the show from time to time it it pops up here and there but yeah i have to check that out here's cobras and fire <laughs> <laughs> no because every time i like i'm like cobras and fire and i start singing the john mellencamp song paper and fire so i'm glad i'm not the wait, only wait, one wait, 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 wait. yeah right on all right paco thanks again for doing this i appreciate it thank you again for listening to my audience i uh i do always appreciate whenever you guys stop on by and give us a listen once again i'm jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast stay safe stay healthy stay warm and we will talk again soon thanks